There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In about 50 years, the technology is going to be there to reverse your age and basically be close to immortal. This episode is brought to you by our very own learning platform, Impact Theory University. Watch to the end of this interview to learn more. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Health Theory. I am here with Dr. Alex Paziotopoulos. Alex, welcome to the show. Ah, thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited, man. And I'm really interested in the area that you're diving into, um, anti-aging or even some of the things I know that you've talked about are, are perhaps even age reversal. Um, I'd like to get into that. What, what is the, the state of the science? What's something that people might be surprised in terms of what's possible with actually winding that clock backwards? Sure. So we've had anti-aging medicine for about 27 years, uh, board certifications in it. And the whole idea was that you, the older you get, the faster you get old. But by doing anti-aging, you're slowing that curve down and allows you to live a longer life, but really much more importantly, a better quality of life. Now, what we found was that anti-aging medicine has kind of a limit to it, and you can only slow aging down so much. And so we're looking at, well, what if you tried to just reverse age? What's that look like? And actually, that's feasible. And it's just what an engineer. What does that look like in terms of at a cellular level? What are the pathways that we're going after? Like, do you think of aging as a disease or do you see it as just something that's inevitable? Uh, I definitely look at it as a disease. Aging causes so many problems. If you just stopped aging or even just inhibited aging by a significant amount, you would have a greater impact on all the cardiovascular problems, all the cancer problems, all the cognitive problems, dementias, all that, than actually trying to solve any one of those problems. There's only really seven major problems that we have to overcome. And those problems, the answers to those problems are known. So you have intracellular junk, you have extracellular junk, you have these things called glycation end products. You have problems with your DNA breaks in it and stuff like that. You have mitochondrial dysfunction. Another problem is that you have senolytic cells. And senolytic cells are really the target of most of the age reversal programs and of aging in general. Because when you look at all these ways that you age, they're not equal. And senolytic cells tend to have the greatest impact. And they populate just like you age. Remember how we were talking about like, the older you get, the faster you get old. Well, the older you get, the greater the population of senolytic cells. Can you define what, what is a senolytic cell? I'm not familiar with that term. 
So a senolytic cell, it has a purpose when you're being conceived, like when you're in, you know, when you're in the womb. And it's, you know, you have a bunch of cells that are growing in a ball, but they have to turn into all these organs and structures. So when cells fold around, some cells have to be removed. And so senolytic cells do some of that. But the problem with the senolytic cell is when you're older, these senolytic cells don't really have a lot to do. And when they start populating, they get big, take up a lot of space. They release a lot of these enzymes that are caustic to all the cells around them. And then they have this ability to turn a good, healthy cell into a senolytic cell. So we want to do everything that we can to keep them, their populations low. And so a lot of age reversal is focused on getting at those senolytic cells. And one of the really easy things people can do is do water fasting. Um, there's some really cool things that happen after about 48 hours of no food, a lot of the genes that are active change. What happens with a lot of biological mechanisms is if you're used to being in a famine multiple times per year, you get genes that run during the famine and they don't run normal times. And so those genes that run, they're kind of like maintenance genes and they fix your DNA and they clean up intracellular junk, right? They fix the matrix so it's not so stiff. They get rid of these senolytic cells. So we want to go through a controlled famine. Somewhere between a three and a half day and a four and a half day water fast once a month as you get older. Um, you can do it when you're younger, but I think it really matters when your senolytic cells start populating to when they're dangerous levels. So someone about 40, 40 and up, I would say you start doing it. If you're late 30s, I think you'd still do it too. Um, and it also coincides with the Calorie Restriction Society and all the calorie restriction um, data that we have. So there's not a single organism on the planet that we've done calorie restriction with that didn't live longer. And uh, the way that uh, water fasting works is not only are you getting some calorie restriction, but you're also getting those genes turned on that you wouldn't get turned on when you're just restricting calories. So think of every cell as a factory. And that factory has so many things that it needs to do every day. And if you're in a well-fed state, most of the things that all your cells are working on is metabolism of energy. So you're taking in this food, you have to release insulin, then your body's gonna take all this, these different nutrients, fats and amino acids, carbohydrates, and it has to do something with them, right? And it's just shuttling all this stuff around. So when you're on a fast, you're not doing a lot of that. All you're doing is you're just taking stored fat, mostly from the liver, right? And you're releasing some ketones. And then that, that system turns on all these other genes because, well, they're not busy doing other stuff. So now it's like, okay, you know, we don't have to do all this other stuff. So now we have energy to do this. Kind of just like other genes run when you're sleeping. Like your body knows when you're sleeping and it changes which genes are active and which ones aren't. And if you don't sleep well, I mean, that's a whole nother problem, but like, you know, you're going to age really fast that way. And there's plenty of people that come in and they'll say, you know, I sleep five, six hours a night and I feel great. And I'm like, yeah, but it's, your body can't handle that long term. You're aging fast. That's interesting. So when we're sleeping, what are the processes that are running? Um, and then I guess we'll get to then how that ages you when you're truncating that. Yeah. So when you're sleeping, what'll happen is you have this thing called the circadian rhythm and animals are really good about not screwing up their circadian rhythm, right? Like the birds don't wake up late. There's not a bird that's like, you know, oh, I don't get up until noon. 
right? <laughs> they just get up, right? And they go to bed at the same time. And so what that does is it really sets this biological clock so that everything happens on a, on a 24-hour cycle. And certain hormones need to be released at certain times. And then certain repair mechanisms need to happen at the immune system level or in your brain. Um, and you could be, quote unquote, sleeping. But if you're not really sleeping well, like you have sleep apnea or you keep waking up or you have a lot of anxiety, then you're not going to be able to go into deep sleep. You're not going to get enough REM cycles, you know, and every time you wake up, you restart the whole sleep system because you have this thing called the sleep inertia. So your first REM cycle takes a long time. It takes over two hours usually for you to do that. And then every successive REM cycle, it can be um, compressed. So in seven hours, you could easily get four REM cycles. But if you keep waking up, you could be in the bed for nine hours and never get it. So I hate sleep. Uh, if I didn't need it, I wouldn't get it. I fully understand. Right. I actually prioritize it in my life. It's one of the most important things sure. that I do. Um, if I had to guess, though, I average without an alarm clock. I never set an alarm clock. I always go to bed at the same time. I'm very aware right. of my circadian rhythms. But just in terms of where I'm at in my life, levels of excitement, levels of stress, whatever, I probably average about six to six and a half hours of sleep a night. Um, and one thing that I heard is that while you're sleeping, your brain actually shrinks and or de-inflames maybe is the right way to think about it and allows like a, a brainwashing, if you will. Um, is that what's happening or is there something else going on um, during the different phases of sleep that make it so critical? Yeah, so there's a lot more going on and really probably one of the most important things that's going on are the immune cells that get stimulated in your brain. So these microglial cells and these astrocytes that are in your brain, they, they're doing all the repair and they're more active during the night. Um, the other thing is that your brain is taking all the memories from the day and you're forgetting. Forgetting is really the most important process because your hippocampus will just get full of all these proteins that just get accumulated during the, during the day. You don't want to remember like every single little detail of the day. You just don't have that capacity. And if you don't make sure that you process all that short-term memory and free it up, the next day you're going to be compromised in your ability to remember. So when we stop and say, okay, we have a rough understanding of where we're trying to get to. We want to either slow aging as much as we can. We want to actually reverse aging. Um, what's the optimal lifestyle? So sleep, we got that one. We'll check that box. Got to have sleep, right? Um, problems with your brain also include, and sleep have to do with your circulation and the, all the quality of your blood vessels. Um, I always talk about the blood vessels as like the most important organ in your body, right? So it's the infrastructure for everything. So for, for quality of what we call the endothelium, which is the lining of your blood vessels, First, we test. So there's a bunch of blood markers that we can test that look at how well that um, system's working, you know, whether you're able to release nitric oxide, these markers called ADMA. There's a bunch of separate markers that we look at. The patients that I have that are already plant-based, their endothelium works great. The people that are eating kind of your standard Western diet without a lot of plants and lots of animal products, especially dairy and things like that, 
their endothelium just doesn't work let's, very well. Let's dive into that. So um, let's differentiate because I would say that a standard American diet or a standard Western diet isn't just rich in animal protein. It's Twinkies and Oreos and, you know, potato chips and French fries and all that good stuff. Um, So to just to isolate maybe to the more the higher end of the scale, let's take uh, somebody who their primary calorie is derived from meat and then Uh somebody whose primary calories are derived from um, plant matter. But both of them are eating and maybe you won't agree on this word, but they're eating a clean diet. Right. So it's not fast food hamburgers and stuff like that. It's, you know, grass fed. Um, but I just want to get a sense of what happens to the endothelial lining when you're a meat eater, clean again, versus a plant-based diet, clean. So clean versus clean, what you're normally going to see in, in the labs that I get here. So this is not just literature. This is what I see. Sure. Um, and I get a lot of athletes that come in that are eating really clean uh, meats, right? They're either wild or they're all organic. And they're pretty balanced. They're not eating too many calories and stuff like that. But their inflammation markers are always higher than my plant-based clean people. And the people that are, you know, majority plant-based. And for me in in the labs that I've looked at, when you get down to about 20% calories from animals, 80% plants, you're just about as good as somebody that's 100% plants. And sorry, is that from by calorie? By calorie. So one of the things that I found as an argument very compelling is this idea that, look, if you're trying to build muscle tissue, eat muscle tissue. And um, when you think about all the things that we need to eat to maintain our body, it, it makes sense to me that you would go eat the very same things that you need to build in terms of the building blocks. And I'm curious yeah. if you know if you have a hypothesis, because I'm sure it's it's still early days, but if you have a hypothesis as to why meat in particular creates this cascade of inflammation, which when I think about all-cause mortality, it's like get your inflammation down. So before I answer that question, what, we want, what I want to do and what I'm focusing on in the clinic is we want to go beyond what nature created for us and the environment. We want to optimize Your average person isn't even close to their genetic potential. So we want to go beyond your genetic potential. And so when we apply that to food, what we're noticing is that if you eat a lot of meat, your pH is usually off. The more acidic your environment, the more problems you have with what's called calcifications. So you get dystrophic calcifications. You get it in the arteries, you get it in everything else. And that's part of aging is that stiffening. We don't want stiffening. So that's one thing we want to modulate is pH. The other thing is like we have, what, 25 or 30 years of Dean Ornish in his studies, and now we have Dr. Esselstyn's studies of they can reverse arterial sclerosis with a plant-based diet. That's interesting. Um, So I'm pitching a reality show around town that I'm trying to get produced called Carnivore versus Vegan, and I want to lock identical twins in a house. And one part of the twin set is eating carnivore and the other side is eating vegan. My fantasy would be to lock them in there for six months and do all kinds of blood markers plus self-reporting all of that so that we have like a real controlled thing. Because when I hear a study like that, and in in total fairness, I don't know those studies well enough to to comment. I've heard Dean Ornish's name thrown around a million times, um, but I'm not familiar with the data specifically tied to that anyway. Um, 
oftentimes what happens is you take somebody who's on a standard American diet, they're eating garbage, uncontrolled, like, I mean, just a mess. And if you put them on any diet, their life is going to get better. If you put them on a carnivore diet, it would get better. If you put them on a vegan diet, it's going to get better. So what are the studies that we should look at for um, going, moving away from a meat-based diet to a plant-based diet and the um, clearing up the arteries? I would just definitely look up Dr. Dean Ornish and his studies. And I'd also look up Dr. Esselstyn. Uh, Dr. Esselstyn, he's a cardiologist and he's been doing plant-based diet for a long time. Uh, um, and do you know Clinic. what the rough protocols were for the diets? Just take a normal person and put them pure plant-based? Yeah, just do pure plant-based. But they're doing like, they're not doing, I mean, there's vegans that are eating all that fake stuff, right? Fake meat, fake this. Junk and is food. that a problem because they end up using a lot of sugar or is there another issue? Yeah, because remember, one of the reasons of aging is glycation end products. So one of the regular tests you see, even your regular doctors measures uh, hemoglobin A1C. And that's a measure of glycation end product on a red blood cell. And that number is logarithmic. So somebody that has a five versus a six has 10 times less, right? And if you go to a seven, you're like, well, it's not that much better. We have 100 times more. So if your body has to make 100 times more replacement proteins and then have to deal with all of that, it's going to fail. Not only is it going to fail, but you're using so much energy to do something that it shouldn't have to do. And as we get older, we have less energy. So that's part of age reversal and anti-aging is let's maximize how much energy we have and let's minimize how much we have to access the DNA and make a lot of proteins. Because that's what happens as you get older is you don't have this ability to do that. So you want to have kind of a low protein diet. So if you look at a lot of the studies in the blue zones with people that have lived 100 years and plus, the one commonality around that is they're all on low protein diets. So I've been plant-based for 22 years now and I have a pretty low protein. I kind of count to make sure I can keep you, my protein. Can you give me oh. some numbers around that? When you say low protein, and I'm assuming this is the vast majority is coming from plants. Um, what's yeah. your rough uh, protein grams per day? So, you know, people will say somewhere you need about a gram for every kilogram and high-end athletes are doing a gram per pound. So if you weigh 200 pounds in body weight, if you're a high-end athlete, what the normal um, prescription is for that is to give you 200 grams of protein per day. Um, I'm probably down to 60 to 70% of that one kilogram or one gram per kilogram. So maybe I'll get maybe 50 grams a day of protein. And I don't have any trouble. I don't have any trouble rock climbing. I don't have any trouble doing yoga. I'm third black in kung fu. Um, you know, I can uh, squat and deadlift. You know, multiple times my body weight. So I don't believe in that. And when I get people to say that, I'm just like, well, how can I do this? And how can all these other plant-based diets do these extraordinary feats of strength or endurance with low protein? Right, because your body has this amazing ability to recycle protein. And it's the nitrogen cycle. And so, yeah, you'll work out and you break down protein, but you're not just gonna get rid of it. A healthy body is gonna take that and recycle it and put it back. Plus, if you're on the right supplements that help you do that, like you know, uh, glutamine's one of them, ornithine alpha ketoglutarate, which is a fantastic 
supplement, you know, created by the French scientists for burn patients, because nobody's losing more protein and nitrogen than a burn patients. So there's lots of ways that you can optimize how your body makes protein and how your body recycles protein and uses those amino acids efficiently rather than just flooding your body with that supplement. So but what you know, are those things? How do you get your body to be that kind of efficient? So there's behavioral modifications, right? Which is eating and how you're eating. Uh, and then we do genetic studies. So the reason I'm doing a lot of genetic studies on people is, although most of our genes are super similar, there's a lot of genetic uh, problems that you'll have with fat. And that has to do with survival. So we want to make sure that we dial in diet based on genetics and then also based on what do we see in the labs. So there's a lot of different levels that we're looking at so that, you know, when you come in and you do a medical engineering program with me, you're not just getting some program algorithm. You know, it's designed based on you and based on your labs so that we can get you balanced and get you into the low inflammation levels and get your fats regulated and then do all the scans on you that are necessary to make sure like, well, do you have any plaques, soft plaques, hard plaques? You know, what's the state of your endothelium and what's the functional state of your endothelium? So um, there isn't one, one diet for all, right? And some people like they'll come in and I'll look at what is the circulating levels of albumin and what's their levels of protein in the blood and what's their blood urea nitrogen ratios and you look at all this and then i could say like oh you're working out too hard you're breaking down too much tissue you're overtraining and then other people i'm like well you're not meeting your protein requirements based on what you're doing so we can we just modify it for that person but the idea is that we want to keep the protein levels on the low side and we want to keep the high nutrient plants on the high side so high nutrient plants are the ones that have all the nutrition and, the, you know, the highest things are like sprouts, you know, and uh, microgreens and things like that. Um, and then fiber. We need to have a lot of fiber because if we don't have fiber, we can't grow the proper microbiome. So think about like you're not a human being. You're a conglomerate of all of these organisms together. So you have, you know, hundreds of millions of different species just living in you. And so we look at hunter-gatherer populations and what their microbiome looks like versus us, we're completely sterile compared to them. And can they you, don't can get- Can you define um, what you mean by sterile? I think most people hear sterile and they think that's a good thing. Yeah, no, it's not. So you want to be exposed and the bacteria you really want to be exposed to are soil-based bacteriums. Like we go just roll around in the dirt- how do we well, how do we is, expose ourselves intelligently? The problem is that our dirt is not the dirt of the past. And, you know, they've done these studies where you go into a farm that's, you know, Monsanto farm or whatever, a GMO farm, and you pick up the dirt. There's nothing in it. There's barely any bacteria. There's no worms in it. There's no parasites. It's just sterile. And then, you know, you go into a rainforest somewhere where, you know, they're not, you know, affected. And you pick up a handful of dirt and, like, you can't even identify everything in that. There's so much stuff going on. So there's a lot of mechanisms in your body that rely on certain peptides, which are short chains of amino acids. And because we've had this symbiotic relationship with all of these different species of bacteria and yeast and stuff like that, 
there's a lot of things that we don't have in our own genes that we need. It's made by them. And they're released and we absorb them and then we're able to use it in our molecular machinery. But without them, we can't. And without them, there's parts of our immune system that don't work very well. And the older you get, the worse your immune system gets. There's this thing called thymus, uh, you know, where your thymus shrinks over time. And so a lot of the work for age reversal is built on how do we regenerate the thymus gland so that you can have the immunity that you did when you were younger. Um, and a lot of immunity is not just keeping you safe from the environment as far as viruses and bacteria. It's how well can you repair tissue? Because that's all dependent on your immune system. So your body always reacts to the stress around it. You put an astronaut in space and their bones become weak because the body's like, well, I don't need strong bones and there's no gravity, right? You have someone do deadlifts and immediately their bone density starts to go up, you know, or impact training, things like that. Same thing with your thymus gland. If it's not exposed to any threats and it's not doing anything, it's not because it's very expensive to graduate T cells and natural killer cells. Well, why would it do that? So it needs to shrink in size because it's not needed as much. When you say that we respond to the stress that's around us, what stress do we want to give it to make sure that it stays robust? Right. So making sure that you have enough exposure to things. What you want is a child to be exposed to all that stuff. So then their immune system gets used to that and responds to all that and has a proper uh, response to things and it stays healthy. And it won't just be your gut. It'll be everywhere. Like which microbiomes in your mouth protecting your teeth, which microbiomes in your nasal cavities protecting you from viruses and, you know, uh, sinus problems from allergies and all that kind of stuff. What's in your eyes, what all different parts of your gut, what's on your skin. You see people with all kinds of skin disorders and tons of acne and things like that. Uh, a lot of that can just be uh, relieved by getting the proper microbiome there and then changing, you know, their diet. Ooh, so bringing it all back around to anti-aging and reversing the clock. So we've covered a lot and everything you've told us to do so far sounds hard, <laughs> which tells me it's probably true. But uh, we're obviously getting our sleep right. We're not messing with our circadian rhythms. We're um, cleaning up our diet. We're eating primarily plant-based. We're um, avoiding a sterile gut. We're getting the right kinds of dirt and bacteria and virus given where we're at in, in our own evolution right. as a person. Um, what about supplementation? Right. Are there things that we should be doing like NAD or should we be on metformin? Like what about exogenous substances? So everything we've been talking about is what I call a foundation. And that's what you can do for free. And it's going to help you a certain amount. And then you can go into the next levels, which is how do I change what was normally going to happen? And so what these supplements are going to do is they're going to help the molecular machinery work better and they're going to mess around with how genes are expressed. So I'm sure you've heard of mTOR. So mTOR is one of these genes that is how fast you're aging. It's your metabolic rate. So like to those bodybuilders or athletes that want to go on a high protein diet, you know, and just, you know, or like take four or 5,000 calories a day, they're going to raise mTOR and they're going to get strong fast. But we want mTOR to be as low as possible so we can live as long as we can without becoming decrepit. Do you know what the and mechanism is there? Why does mTOR being low impact longevity? So there's a lot of different things that mTOR is involved with. 
but a lot of it has to do with just metabolic rate. You don't want to have a high metabolic rate. It's just kind of like, you know, you if, if you want to drive across the country and you want to do it with the least amount of gas, right? Well, you can't go 100 miles an hour, right? It's you're just the amount of energy that you need to go one mile at that speed is not nearly as efficient as if you were going 50. So it's the same kind of principle. And that's your gauge is mTOR is one of the gauges that we use. And in age reversal protocols that I've developed here in the clinic, there are a lot of things that we do to lower mTOR as much as we can through pharmaceuticals, through peptides, through IVs that kind of stuff on top of your lifestyle modifications. And as far as supplements go, we can turn on genes like sirtuin genes and we can modulate AMPK and PPA or gamma and all these other mechanisms that you hear about. And without the supplement program, you're just not really going to be optimized. And, uh, you know, right now I'm offering to people because if you did full medical engineering with me, it can be pretty pricey. But what I really wanted to make available to everyone is what we're calling the launch program, a supplement program, so that you can get the most important labs done for a pretty, you know, low cost. So you can see, like, well, where am I? What's what's my inflammation look like? What's what are my fatty acids look like? You know, what kind what kind of balance do I have here? How's my thyroid doing? What's my what's my immune system look like? And then you know, have a, a consult, go over your medical history, and then have a supplement program made for you so that it's, you know, tailored to you, but not extremely expensive. It's got the most basic stuff that's going to help you stay healthy and also optimize a lot of these systems. And so then, I know there's no one size fits all, but if you could, because I know there's a lot of restrictions on metformin, um, but if you could, is that something you'd recommend to everybody only if you have type two diabetes? Like where does your recommendation for that fall? I mean, I pretty much, if you can handle metformin in your gut and there's a few people that they really can't, but if you look at the studies that they did on animals with metformin, they start them off pretty much when they're born. They don't do it later in life. And there's, and when those, all the studies with metformin is you have extended life and you'll have, and you have less cancer. And the people that don't like metformin, they're like, oh, you're harming the mitochondria, you know, you know, through AMPK and these other things. And uh, I just don't buy it because how can how can all these organisms have extended life if their mitochondria are harmed? So if metformin was really causing a lot of harm, it wouldn't be able to do that. Now, do the you only take time metformin? I, I do. So I've been on metformin since 2008 and, uh, you know. I always like to show people biological age versus chronological age. Um, Horowitz do you look at methylation for that? What are, you, what are you using as the clock? Yeah. So uh, Horowitz came out with the first clocks. I'm, I moved over to a clock called True Age, and they're looking at far more metabolites. I think it's over 2,000 metabolites. And when we're looking at metabolites, it's just like things that are broken down by your body and so that we can detect in – the urine, or we can detect in the blood, or we can detect in feces, these things that have been excreted. So, and a lot of these are just off the blood. And so we can tell by the ratios of these metabolites what your biological age is versus your chronological age. And a lot of the patients that have had come in in their 70s that had either equal biological age to their chronological age, or a lot of them come in with an older biological age than their chronological age, 
after a year of medical engineering, a lot of them have turned that biological age back as much as a decade. And then we're also looking at epigenetic changes. So epigenetic changes that they're looking at in these clocks are how are genes modified over time? A lot of genes, they get turned off. So the older you get, the less access you have to running certain genes. They get methylated, they get acetylated, you get these things called histone modifications, and it's just less access to this gene. And we don't really know right now how to undo all of these epigenetic changes. And that's where, that's where all the age reversal protocols are coming in. And those so, are looking at how do we undo these epigenetic modifications. Now, I assume a lot of what we're talking about in the protocols is all the stuff that we've gone through so far. Um, is there something else? Is there pharmacological interventions? Um, where does exercise fit into this? Like what, what is, if you had to wrap everything up and to go live like this, go take this supplement, um, what, what does that all look like in a nutshell? A lot of stuff, right? So, um, just like some of the stuff you, you want to replace your hormones, you want to take certain peptides. As you, you age. To, yeah, you definitely so, want, we have great data on that. If you don't replace, especially testosterone, um, it's really hard to maintain bone mass, really hard to maintain muscular mass, especially heart. And most importantly, it's hard to maintain the mass of your brain. And so now we have about 28 years of bioidentical hormone replacement. And what we're noticing is that the people that have been on bioidentical hormone replacement for that long, when you, when you compare them to their peers, they are far more functional. They look better, they, their cognition's better, their musculature's better, their skin's better, like across all systems. And it's because these hormones are the triggers to turning on a lot of genes. And so they're not gonna modify, they're not gonna epigenetically modify their genes as much, they're gonna keep on all these things, these repair mechanisms, they're gonna keep things working well. One of the things I'm always telling people is that we wanna live longer in health so that we can live long enough for the future. So in, in my field and where we, when I, the places I speak and the people that are working this, we think about 50 years. In about 50 years, the technology is going to be there to reverse your age and basically be close to immortal. Now you're talking but about language. Need, but we need to survive. So we're using peptides. We're using senolytics. So senolytics are the supplements and the IVs and all that kind of stuff that are going to kill your senolytic cells. And some of that you're going to be doing water fasting and things like that. And then we also do a lot of work on spirit. And, you know, spirit's kind of a weird word to use, but like um, if you have a powerful spirit and somebody comes up to you and says some nasty stuff, it doesn't do anything to you. Right? You don't ruminate about it. You don't explode on that person. You just notice that this person's just compromised. right? And you see things for what they are, and you have trust in yourself, and you have control over your emotions. Right? That's a powerful spirit. Like You act exactly the way you want to act at all times. And it doesn't come from believing in some dogma. It comes from working deeply on yourself mindfulness, deep diving deep into your past and understanding what negative patterns that you have that are prevalent today that hijack you. 
And then how are we going to replace those negative patterns with the positive patterns that led you to all your successes in life? So we, we work on a lot of that. And in the clinic, I do a lot of ketamine psychotherapy. And it helps you disassociate yourself from your ego. And you're able to go you know, deep into your subconscious, or some people call it the spirit world. And you're able to gather a lot of information. And it's guided. It's only one-on-one, unlike some of these people that go for shamanism events. And, you know, they get some benefit from it, but like you're sitting in a room with 12 people. This is one-on-one. It's uh, highly guided so that they take uh, a week to create their intentions and their suggestions to themselves. Uh, Proper set, that's called a set. And then the setting is the room that they're in. They're just here with me. We usually have binaural beats on in the background. Uh, to help them, you know, guide through that place. They're, I'm talking with them. And then afterwards, we do like an hour and a half of debrief and write huge notes out. And then they go and they journal. And a lot of people will say like, oh, I died. And I'm like, oh, you died? And I'm like, okay. You know, they say and, that uh, while they're in it? Yeah. They're like, oh, that's a really common thing is that they died. Um, but then they're, they're still there. Right. Um, and then they kind of forget that they're human and who they are and they're able to see things without all the filters that we have built into us. You know, even highly educated people can easily be duped because it goes along with their delusional thoughts of the world, delusional thoughts of themselves, what they believe, all that kind of stuff. Like even when a lot of people are presented with truth, they don't want to integrate it because it, it, it would go against this whole delusion that they have of themselves and of the world. And it's too scary. But when you're disassociated, well, you're open to the truth. You're able to see that and you're able to bring that back with you. Talk to me. When when you're trying to walk somebody through that, what kind of truths are you introducing them to? And obviously, I know that it's going to be different from person to person to person. But if there are like themes that come up, that would be really interesting to hear about. Yeah, um, the, the most interesting thing that I've noticed with ketamine psychotherapy is that no one ever has the same experience twice and no patient I've ever had go under has had really a similar experience to anybody else. The only thing similar is that they get disassociated and they say they died. But as far as what they experience, it's totally separate. Um, and but when, when you it, talk it, it, about the truth and helping them integrate the truth, um, I, I'm, I'm absolutely fixated on this notion of seeing a truth that you were unable to see before and learning to integrate it. So with or without ketamine, do you see something in them that you don't think they understand? Like, is it this it's not, person? It's not that I see something in them. I'll talk to them. We'll have like an hour consult, mostly about what is troubling you the most. Like what, what are the things that are preventing you from being the person that you know that you could be, right? And it could be a wide range of things. You know, anxiety is really high in a lot of people and so is depression. But it's like, all right, but what's the root of that? And maybe they'll be like, oh, I was traumatized from here or that. But they don't really know, like, what is it? What's at the foundation of that? What, what belief system did I crystallize from those experiences that are affecting me because those experiences don't exist. They're in the past, right? But there's some pattern and some belief structure that got crystallized that's affecting you in the real time. So when you get some of the information from doing uh, some of these deep dives into yourself, you can say, oh, I see that clearly now. And a lot of people will say that after the experience, 
that they feel so much lighter. So uh, I think that it just really helps people. It's just another tool, right? I think they still need to do other tools. A lot of the other tools that we use are like neurofeedback and biofeedback um, just to break some of these physiological patterns that people have. So there's not just one thing for everyone, but we try to use a bunch of these different things to help them optimize their spirit. And how does that help with anti-aging? Just it's lowering their stress levels? Oh, that stress is probably one of the fastest aging components that we have to deal with. Um, somebody that is highly stressed with what they're doing, and it's not everyone, but a lot of people will have problems with their pelvic floor. And it's kind of like, you know, you see a threat as a primitive animal, and the first thing you do is you clench your pelvic floor. Um, it's just a reaction because um, you don't want to urinate. You don't want to defecate, right? And then you're triggering the vagus nerve to shut down your immune system, your gut, all the unnecessary things. And so you see people with a lot of gut disorders and they're like, oh, I bloat all the time and I don't go to the bathroom and I'm constipated. I'm super high stress, right? And their blood pressure's up or their pulse is up and their hands are cold. And it's like, yeah, because you're in fight or flight like all day. And that's going to age you so fast. And that's where biofeedback comes in really handy is because we hook them up to chest straps and electrodes and they can see whether they're in this pattern of, you know, whether in this fight or flight or not. And a lot of it has to do with um, getting into this pattern called coherence. So when you're in coherence, your breathing rate and your heart rate are kind of synchronous to each other. And that's when you're, you shut down the sympathetic nervous system and you promote the parasympathetic, which is rest and relaxation. And that's where you want to be. Um, your average person, we hook them up and they're not, they can't get into coherence. Um, but if you took somebody from like a Buddhist monastery or something that's been there for 30 years and you hook them up, like they're in coherence. So uh, just great, great tools that we have for everything. And that's why it's engineering based because there's not a system of the body that we're not looking at and that we're not trying to optimize because it all works together. You can't just say, I'm going to optimize your heart. There's no way it's impossible, right? Everything's connected. And so we have to look at all the systems and see where we're at. So if somebody wanted to learn more about engineering, uh, their health, where would they go? How do they learn more about you? Um, they can go to the Institute.com. Uh, or they could call 844-734-3678. It's uh, also 844-REGENERATE. Um, nice. Um, <laughs> and uh, they can find out what program is going to fit them. And right now, we know we're doing things to help people with all budgets. And even at the low-end budget, you're still going to learn, like, what lifestyle changes do I need to make, right? You're going to have a one-on-one -on -one consult. You're going to get blood work done. And then you're going to get supplement packs made just for you and timed for you at the proper time during the day. And that's our low level stuff. And then, you know, the people that have, you know, more that they can put into this, well, then they can go to the higher levels and do age reversal and they can get the IVs and peptides and hormone replacement and the rest of it. Um, I recommend that everyone do this no matter how young you are. That was amazing. Guys, if you want to get your engineering on and get your health right and hopefully live forever, you now know where to go. 
Alex, thank you so much for joining me, man. That was really fantastic. And speaking of things that will extend your life, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. Look, I do not care how crazy your dream is. You can make it happen. If it doesn't violate the laws of physics, it is by definition possible. And let me tell you, I know this from experience. Before I became who I am today, I was a frustrated wannabe filmmaker who had no idea how to make his dream come true. I was lost, paralyzed, hopeless, frustrated, felt alone. I didn't even know where to begin. It was all so overwhelming and my confidence was non-existent. I had no idea how I was going to convince somebody to give me a shot. Then everything changed. Then I started filling my life with people and ideas that pushed me to improve because I really wasn't good enough yet. I stopped feeling sorry for myself and I started to take full and complete responsibility for my life. I started to realize that the structure of Hollywood wasn't holding me back. My parents weren't holding me back. My lack of money wasn't holding me back. The high cost of filmmaking wasn't holding me back. How I was raised, none of it was holding me back. I wasn't being stopped by nepotism or lack of contacts. I was being stopped by my lack of skills, period, full stop. Thus began my quest to get so good, I could not be ignored. I rolled up my sleeves and I got to work. I stopped making excuses and I stopped accepting excuses from others. I fell in love with the very process of getting tough, of taking your mind and making it stronger. I started making huge demands of myself and started actually improving. I began to make real progress towards my goals because I stopped whining about not being where I wanted to be and I started taking immediate action. I did not worry about looking cool or impressing people. I just worried about actually getting better. I just wanted to strive for greatness, the kind of greatness people can't question. To get so good, I could not be ignored. To this day, I keep my head down and I do the work. And now, nearly two decades later, I control my life. I don't need anyone to give me a break. I'm building my own studio. I've stopped coming to the world with my handout. If I want something, as Hannibal said, I will either find a way or I will make one. And I know if you've watched this far, you're going to do the exact same thing. If you want help gaining the kind of skills and control over your life that most people can only dream about, join me in Impact Theory University. That's where I teach you exactly how to do the work, what work to do, in what order, all of it. Sign up right now, today. We offer a money-back guarantee. You have nothing to lose. If you're not happy for any reason, I will give you a refund. No questions asked. So I hope to see you inside. I hope you make a crazy investment in yourself and that you start holding yourself accountable and you realize just what a beast you can become. All right, my friends, if you're my kind of person, I will see you on the inside. And until then, my friend, be legendary. Take care.